Psalm 119, 105. Now that Psalm is an interesting Psalm because they have some weird titles throughout the, the Psalm and there's over 170 verses in it, but every uh, so many verses, they change the name of that section. So you'll notice that right before Psalm 119, 105, it has the the name Nun. Now Nun, N-U-N, is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And what they did is that every one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet was represented in that section uh, in the whole psalm. And so that means that every sentence in this particular section starts with the letter noon on the first word of it. And prior to that, the letter meme. Now we get the letters M and N in that order the same way that they did. So they have it in alphabetical order and their order is, is like our alphabetical order. So. L, M, N, Lamed, Mem, Noon, and uh, same with us. So that tells you why that is. If you've ever read that and you see these weird terms, Lamed, Calf, uh, Yod, Teth, you wouldn't know what that is unless you had studied it. But hey, guess what? I studied it. So I'm going to let you know about that. And the Bible puts it in there. It was inspired. There was a reason for it. So we, we, we're gonna only, only going to read that one verse, though, Psalm 119, 105. Your word or thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. May God bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today. So today we're going to learn about the word of God as a lamp and as a light. So important to understand this. And even though it's just one verse, there's a lot wrapped up into this verse. And so much is wrapped into it that I felt that we all can benefit by studying it and actually taking what God says, not just applying it to our hearts, but also to encourage us so that when we live in this world with so many things going the wrong way, God's word is a, a, a powerful director of our lives. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Now, the first thing we'll see is the nature of God's word. Then we'll learn about its effect on us personally and the direction that it provides for us. So those are the three main things that we will talk about. I heard a story about a tourist who was in the Everglades and he was scared, but he had a flashlight. And he asked the tour guide, he says, hey, if I've got a flashlight, can I uh, be safe from the alligators? Uh, And and the guy said, it depends on how fast you carry it. (laughs) I like that, you know, depends on how fast you carry it. There's no doubt that we need light, don't we? Uh, you, You just think about when we have storms in our area and the lights are turned off and we can't get them back on, how that's not just an inconvenience, but it can be life and death, especially in hospitals and and in places where they absolutely need the light to see. So light is a fundamental part of our universe. Uh, And uh, from the very first of creation, God said, let there be light. So we know that light is something that we need, we have to have, and if we don't have it, we are in trouble. Well, God's word is is going to be a light for us. 
And we're going to learn about the nature of that word now. And I, there's three ways the Bible describes the word of God. And I'm not putting them in order necessary of importance. I'm just saying that they're all important and you'll learn why. The first one we want to talk about is the fact that the word of God is the spoken word. Okay, and that means God himself spoke. We know that the world was created because God spoke. He said, let there be, and he just fill in the blank. God said these things and they happened. Also in the Bible, when you read the book of Genesis and study it, you realize that the Lord was speaking out loud to these patriarchs. Uh, they were not just thinking in their head, they were not relying upon some feeling that they had in their hearts. God was talking to them when Abraham was uh, about ready, well, right before Sarah was uh, to give birth or to have a baby and then give birth, uh, the Lord visited Abraham in human form and along with two angels, they both, they all three look like men, but the Lord spoke to Abraham just like you and I are speaking. So God spoke out loud. And in this case, the spoken word also was the same word that was spoken out loud to Moses. When the burning bush was burning and the tree was not burning up, he went to see this thing and God spoke from the burning bush. So we know that also in the life of Jesus, uh, that when he was baptized, after he was baptized, God spoke out loud for people to hear. And he also did that whenever he was, uh, when he, they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus was changed in their presence. And then afterwards, the Lord said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Uh, these are all cases of God speaking out loud, and it happened. It happened a lot in the Bible, and it's important to know it because God left that as a testimony, and people heard this, and they wrote a record of it, and the record is found in the Bible. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that God is not going to do the same in your life or in my life. I do not want to question whether God has that ability because, of course, he does. But it is a rare thing, admittedly, when God actually speaks out loud like that. That does not happen very much. It didn't even happen that much in the Bible. Uh, the fact that the miracles of the Bible are recorded is evidence that they were rare. It wasn't something that you saw all the time. The only time miracles were commonplace and happening a lot was when Jesus was walking the earth and they couldn't even come close to recording all of the miracles of Jesus. Now, in that case, there were a lot of miracles. He would go into a town and heal everybody. So that was quite a, a thing. And, and the Bible admits that, and, and John admitted that there's so many things Jesus said and did, he did, didn't even think the world itself could contain the books that should be written. And I believe that that is absolutely true. So we've got here the fact that the Lord speaks his word and has spoken his word, and it's very authoritative. The second type uh, uh, of, of way we understand the word of God is actually the lived word, the live word. And we know who that is, that's a person. His name is Jesus. John chapter one, verse one said, in the beginning was the word and the word was God, 
and the Word was with God, and, uh, and the same was in the beginning with God. So if God, uh, the Word, existed in the beginning and was with God and was God, then that tells us that the Word is more than simply sounds, but actually is a person, and he was the creator of the world. In fact, nothing was made with, that was made without him. So this word became flesh, according to John 1, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So Jesus is the living word of God. He is the personification of God. Uh, I like how the apostle Paul described Jesus as the image of the invisible God. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. He's the picture of the unpicturable God. Uh, that's a good way to describe it, I think. So if you wanna know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Now, you're not just looking at his facial features or how he combed his hair. No, we're talking about his character. He could, could God could be seen in everything he did. Everything he did was consistent with his father. So the word of God became flesh. He lived among us. He lived for 30 something years, but he uh, didn't announce himself as the word of God uh, until he was uh, walking about in the power of the Holy Spirit in those three years of ministry. And, that, and, and I'm going to ask you a question. Do, is three years a long time? It depends, right? But Three years is not very long. I mean, it's like a blink. How many of you have children that are now grown and gone away? Yeah. Their whole life that they depended upon you is a blink in your mind now. So life in Jesus had such an effect on the world in three years, three years. It's amazing, all the things he did. Uh, but he, as the living word, is the source of our power and everything we do. We absolutely need him. God may not speak out loud to you today, but I guarantee you the living word will speak to you in your heart through the Holy Spirit. And you can have him in your heart, and you can also pray to him in heaven every moment of every day if you want that's the glory of the living word. He's so important. He made everything and everything is subject to him. The third thing that we want to talk about, the word of God, the nature of the word, is the written word. Now, I put it last, not because necessarily uh, of uh, that we bow down or we worship the Bible. We don't worship the Bible, but the Bible is the inspired record of God's work in the world. And since every word of the Bible was inspired by God himself, we know that that is the record God has his special uh, attention placed upon and protection upon the word of God. Do you know how many people have tried to burn the Bible and sometimes succeeded in burning the Bible? There was an old country wives tale that we all learned growing up uh, when you have a fire, the family Bible would survive, and sometimes it would, a cover might get burned or something like that, but they said you can't burn a Bible. I guarantee you, you can burn a Bible if you really want to. You can disobey and disrespect God. You can take the physical pages of the Bible and tear them out if you want. You can curse the Bible if you want, if you're foolish enough to do that. I don't recommend you do it. 
But people have been trying to destroy the Bible, but they have never succeeded in stopping the Word of God written. Uh, when John Wycliffe was an Englishman who lived 700 years ago, he believed that the people needed the Bible. So he translated the Bible into English. Well, this made the church so mad that they later uh, condemned him, but he was already dead. So they dug up his bones and they burned his bones. They really got him, you know. They got old John Wycliffe. But Wycliffe's Bible still survives, but we can't remember the people who dug up his bones and burned him. <laughs> but we remember the Wycliffe Bible. He's a very important man who lived. And many godly men who tried to take the Bible and spread it around the world were killed because they believed in the message of the Bible. And yet the Bible kept being spread. The devil can't stop the word of God, the written word of God. He can't, he doesn't have the power. Yes, he individually can persecute you. He can shut down the doors of, and close the doors of any church if he wants to and has the government on his side, but he can't stop the written word of God. It will get out. People will find it if they want to find it. That's the power of the written word of God. When you read the Bible, as the book of Hebrews says, in a sense, it is the word that's examining you. You're not examining it. It is a different book in kind from every book in the world. So if I write a book and I say, here is what I believe, here's what I say, that may be true, it may not be true, but it's not going to be absolutely 100% right if it's only my opinion. But I guarantee you that the word of God is 100% right and it is a book that God has his hand on and has continued to have his hand on how important is the word of God? Well, the living word of God, Jesus, who had just listened to the spoken word of God when the father said, this is my beloved son, after his baptism, when he was tempted by the devil, he depended upon his quotation of the Bible. And he quoted the Bible against the devil to defeat the devil. If Jesus needed the written word to fight evil in the world, you and I need the written word to fight evil in the world. So the more of it you can hide into your hearts, the better, because God uses it as a weapon against evil in the world. This past week, we had a shortened week because we were off on Labor Day. So I teach eighth grade Bible. The, uh, I, I make them memorize a, a Bible verse every week. So this week I gave them a really good one, one of the longest verses in the Bible. And they looked at me and they said, oh, we only got four days. We can't do that. That's too hard, Mr. Hayworth. Uh, you know, all this whiny stuff. That's, that's what children do. You're not much, we're all whiny. <laughs> Trust me, we're, there's not a single one of us that likes to change and do different things. I mean, if you, if I come to you and, and go to your work and say, okay, you've always done it this way, but now you got to do it a different way, you're not going to be very happy about it. And uh, these children were not very happy. So one of the ones who was the biggest complainer, <laughs> he, he, he was the one that got it done first. You see, see he, he actually did it. And Guess what? They, they all got it done, or at least most of them do. They may wait till Monday and get a little discount, but they'll get it done. They will get it done. They have the ability to do it. And God's word is valuable because 
if you go into battle without ammunition, you're a foolish soldier. But if you put the word in your heart, <laughs> you've got the weapons you need. So you've got to put some time into it. You gotta memorize it. You got to think about it and go over and over. It's not a wasted thing. Uh, the, the, my favorite thing about the written word is when kids say, oh, I memorized the wrong verse. They, they do that one all the time. I said, well, you know what? God had a plan for you and you needed that verse and you need to remember that. And now you've got extra ammunition. You know, you're ready to go. It's no such thing as a wasted uh, memory of the word of God. So the written word of God is, according to Hebrews, living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. That's pretty sharp. I mean, the, the Japanese have developed the art of sword making to uh, a science. And it's amazing how uh, skilled the Japanese samurai's swords uh, were made. The, the, they would fold that, that steel and it would be folded over a thousand times of layers together. And then they would get it to where they had it shaped. So when they dipped that sword, a katana sword in that water, it would turn and curve itself perfectly and that's pretty sharp. And, and they could take a whole bamboo stick and just with one whack, cleanly cut it. So they knew what they were doing when they made sharp swords. However, God's word is sharper than that. Sharper than a microscopic instrument that a skilled uh, doctor would use in surgery. That's what the word of God is because the word of God diagnoses our problem in our lives and it's so sharp it can move and dissect our spiritual maladies. And because the word of God, the written word of God is that kind of book where nothing is hidden from him. He can see through the word. So when we expose our lives to the word of God, then that's God's way of examining us and diagnosing our problems. And that's a good thing. I think, why do people avoid the Bible? The same reason why they avoid the doctor. Why do they avoid the doctor? I don't want them to find something. I don't want to go there. It's too costly. I might have to do something, take medicine or whatever. And the same way with God, they don't want to really get into the Bible because they're afraid of the unknown. Don't be afraid. You've got a much better doctor than any doctor on earth. You've got a much better person to, to look and diagnose you than any instrument that we have ever invented. There's not, never been an MRI machine that can analyze you better than the Bible. So the written word of God, I put last only because it's the one we have now with us immediately. It is a powerful witness and it's inspired by God and it will help you because God is in control of it. So it's not just words on a page. It is, it is literally something God uses, an, a godly instrument. So we've looked at the nature of the word of God, the spoken word, the living word, and the written word. Now let's look at its effect on us. The other part of that verse says, thy word is a lamp to my feet. So it, it lights. It's going to light your way. The older I get, uh, I have to have more light to see. If I don't have more light to see, I can't see. Uh, it's more difficult. My, my eyes get dimmer with age. 
And eventually I may need to have some sort of surgery to help me with that. And some of you have had the same surgery. When your eyes get dim, you need more light. Well, in our world, I think that we have people with a very dim perception of the world and they need more light to see their way. And so the light is important. But notice that he says, it's a lamp unto my feet. You need to be on your feet working, going, doing, and your feet are going to be stepping. And when you step, you don't want to step in a hole you, or you don't want to trip over a log and you for sure don't want to step on some sharp object because I think every one of us who've walked enough have done all three. We have stepped in holes and fallen down or hurt ourselves. Or we, if you've ever come to a step you didn't know was there, you know how that makes you feel. And then you have the stepping uh, and tripping over something you didn't see. Well, I, I don't know. This, I don't have to have something that I don't see. It just, it may not even be there. I'll still trip up. So it doesn't matter. You still can trip up. And then you have a situation where you can uh, literally step on something sharp. And I, I can tell you so many bad stories of people stepping on nails. And I mean, you think of it, it hurts, and then you gotta get it out. But I have a friend of mine who I've known for 40 years, uh, 46 years, I guess. Anyway, I've known him a long time, and he stepped on a nail, but his bone in his little toe, I think, or a bone in his foot got infected with a blood uh, infection. And boy, you don't play around with a blood infection. It about took his life, threatened his life. He stepped on a nail. He had to have, go to, to the hospital repeatedly and do all these different things. Yeah, well, if, if he had known the nail was there, would he have stepped on that nail? No, he wouldn't have. So the same way, God's word prevents us from stepping in dangerous situations that are going to hurt us and bring us down. And if we, you can only, I mean, how many of you have, have, have done exactly that? You stepped somewhere and hurt yourself or trip and you said, why didn't I pay attention? Have you ever done that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. You always regret. Oh, if I'd just been paying attention, if I had better light, if I'd seen it better. Oh, that's hindsight. Well, that's why God is in the preventative business. He wants to prevent you from those stumbles. He's trying to help you. And that's why God's word is a lamp to your feet. It's your feet, your connection. It's, it doesn't shine out for everybody else's because they got to have the lamp in their own hands. It's for you. You got to take care of your own self. We're too busy trying to take care of everybody else. We don't think about ourselves in that case. So it lights your feet. It's, it lights so that your path there for you is clear where your feet are walking and helps you to look out for dangers. But not only does the word of God affect you personally and protects you, but it also gives you direction in life. You actually have a path in life. Now, there is only one way to heaven, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So once we accept that he is the ultimate way, so, uh, but, but, but he's also given you and me separate paths. Once we've chosen him as the one way to heaven, then he's given us separate paths that we take on this earth 
that fit us. Now that's important to know because he says here, it's a light to my path, okay? So that means you don't wanna spend your life trying to get a square peg in a round hole. There is you, a U-shaped path for your life. And if you're trying to go over someone else's pathway because you're envying them, or you feel like your path is not as important as someone else's, then you're gonna never be happy and you're not gonna be fruitful the way God wants you to be. God has designed a path for you. Notice he says that it is a light to my path. I have a path, you have a path, everybody's got a path. As long as we have Jesus as the true one way, the individual paths we take have to agree with God and Jesus Christ. But those are individual pathways and they are only visible when we can see the signs on the road. In the great uh, battle of the, uh, the bulge in World War number two, uh, there was a, it was happened in the winter of 1944. Hitler came up with this desperate plan because the allies had already landed six months earlier in June of 1944. And the Allies had gained a lot of ground. They had moved east toward Germany and were threatening. So Germans under Hitler decided that they were going to try to cut the Allied lines in half. And they were gonna to try to capture uh, the cities along the coast of uh, Belgium. And uh, they went all the way from Germany. And in that process, they did it in the winter. I mean, when it was snowing because they knew that the, the Allies had better airplanes and better air cover. But in a snowstorm, I don't know about you, but airplanes don't function very well in snowstorms. They just don't. Their visibility is terrible, the weather is terrible, and so the flights were grounded. So they attacked secretly under the cover of snow, and they just went on for mile and mile and mile and mile and mile. They also thought about this. They said, now when the, the British and the Americans come in and try to stop this, what we're gonna do is we're going to get some of our American-speaking uh, uh, Germans. There were American-speaking. I say American-speaking because you know what I mean by that. They had an American accent. And so they had lived in America. They knew American culture. They, they, and they, they dressed them up as military police and uh, as American military police. And they put them in every junction leading to Bastogne and to other areas where the Germans were attacking. They did this so that these MPs would switch the signs. They switched them around so that when a Jeep or a convoy was coming in to reinforce the people in Bastogne, they would be deflected off in a totally different direction because Hey, they are military police, right? They, they are American looking, sounding. Uh, they wouldn't have been able to tell them. So that was a clever plan to redirect. It's very important to know when you come to a crossroads in your life, and we all do, you need to know what the direction is you need to take. Because if you're at a direction that has three different options, how many paths can you take? You can only take one, right? I mean, you could go down and then turn around, but you can only take one at a time. So 
it does help having a good sign. It does help being able to know where you need to go or it will confuse you. And I believe so many people today are struggling because they don't know what direction to go. I don't know what to do. There's so many options. Of course, there's all kinds of options. There are for everyone, but you don't need to worry about all the options. You just need to find out the sign by reading the word. You'll have more light to see what is it that God, what path does God want you to take? And then at the end, when you get down and you don't have it 100% understood, if you don't know for sure, just make sure that you understand that you can ask some basic questions. Is it wise for me to go this path? If I go this path, is it a wise thing to do? Because God is always avoiding foolishness. He doesn't want us being foolish. And then another thing is, make sure you do it in the name of Jesus. And if you do it in the name of Jesus, he will convert it to the right path. He will find a way to detour you out of that path to the right path eventually, as long as you do it because it's wise and because you're doing it, doing it in Jesus' name. So don't stop and just wait. Just keep going because God will help you get to the right path. Eventually, you'll get to where you need to be. But it comes from the learning of the word of God, having the light of the word so you can see that path. Oh, that's a foolish path. That's a path that does not uh, agree with God. I need to stay on the straight path and not go to the left, the right. I need to stay right down where God wants me to go. So we only read uh, one verse from the book of Psalms today. Psalm 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. At least that's the old King James Version, and that's what I had memorized. And it's very important for us to understand that God's word is spoken. It's a living word. Jesus himself is the word, and it's written for us. But it also helps us personally in our own walk so we don't stumble, but it also gives us direction because we need to be directed, we need to go. There is a path for you and me that God wants us to take. And it was made possible because of Jesus and what he did on a cross and how he died and came back to life. And he gave us the spirit of God as a guarantor that someday he will come back for us, someday. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. It, it shines upon our path and upon our feet, and we need it. We need to know where we need to go. We need to avoid the dangers that will stumble us or cause us to stumble and trip us up. And I do pray for you to provide direction. So when the devil tries to infiltrate our path and, and point us the wrong direction, Lord, give us the light to clearly see the compass of your word so we don't rely upon the environment, but we rely upon you. And in Jesus' name, we pray this and amen.